0: Wasn't it Oppenheimer who said that any man whose mistakes take 10 years to correct is quite a man? Mine have taken
1: 35.
0: Welcome to Decrypted, Ars Technica's podcast devoted to the television that we're obsessed with. Right now, we're watching Westworld. I'm your host, Annalie Newitz. I'm the tech culture editor of Ars Technica. And my guest this week to talk about the very last episode of the season is the excellent cultural critic, Evan Narciss. He is the senior staff writer at io9. And although I also worked at io9, our times, sadly, did not overlap there. And Evan is also working on a super secret, awesome project for Marvel Comics to do with a comic book that you may have heard of. And so that's another exciting thing that he's doing. So
1: let's get started.
0: All right, well, thanks for being here on the show with us. Hey,
1: Annalie, thanks for having me.
0: So this was the season finale that everyone had been waiting for desperately. And, you know, we got some answers actually, and uh, and then a lot more questions were raised. And I think what we're gonna talk about today might be questions that not everyone was thinking about. These aren't plot questions, these are more like theme questions. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the plot of this episode and some of the things that we learned.
1: I really ought to thank you, Dolores. You helped me find myself.
0: William. I'm just gonna say right now, I don't give a fuck that William and the Man in Black are the same guy. Like, does that matter? I mean, am I wrong for thinking that that's like not a really big deal?
1: It's weird because my relationship with the show has been one of sort of avoiding all the fan theories and stuff swirling around all season. Like, working at io9, of course, People are talking about it in our Slack and whatnot, and I, I get a little bit of that, but you know, the show has always, for me, been an exploration of themes, and I have best enjoyed it as an examination of human nature through, like, sort of video game tropes. So yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. Like, I, didn't, I saw that theory, and I was like, oh, okay, that probably makes sense, and as they led up to the penultimate episode of the season, I was like, yeah, oh, okay, this is probably true, but I also don't care. It made for a good reveal, and it helped Dolores turn the corner to where, where she eventually wound up, but like, as a piece of business unto itself, I didn't care that much. The Man in Black yeah. was kind of a cipher anyway, right? He was just like, I'm a, I'm a grisly old man who likes hurting people. I, the idea that the, the, the kind of soft, romantic dude William was turns into him is a little bit interesting, but they compressed that journey so much that it, it didn't have any weight.
0: Also it really left open this question of what has William been doing with Dolores all these years in between the moment when he his heart is i guess broken by the fact that she's a robot a robot whose memory can be messed with and then has he been just abusing her this whole time or gradually abusing her more and more it just it it didn't it didn't really hang together for me i felt yeah, if like
1: if you go back to their first encounter In the first episode, he basically like smacks her around, shoots Teddy, and drags her into the barn to presumably rape her. And it's like, okay, well, if this is you trying to force her into some kind of more lethal sort of sentience consciousness, that's a really fucked up way to do it. And two, again, like if we're trying to reconcile the character who he used to be with William, to who he is now, like, how do you get there? Like, it just seems like you, she's basically like a thing to you now, and you don't care about the stuff that you used to care about.
0: Not only is she a thing to him, but it's a pretty immediate transformation, right? Like, he basically, he falls in love with her on this one adventure that he has 30 years ago or 35 years ago, whenever, and then as soon as he gets back to town and sees that she's been wiped and is, you know, going through her loop again, he is just transformed into kind of a monster. And he immediately, it's almost the the impression that I get is that we're supposed to think that he feels like she's cheating on him or something like that, because there she is right, sharing right. Her, her milk can with another guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, how dare you give your milk to another man? First of all, it makes him incredibly unsympathetic and kind of psycho. But, you know, we've seen him up until that point. And actually, as Man in Black, he's similarly familiar with how the robots work. He understands that she is a robot, but there's something special about her. So why is it that when he sees her acting like a robot, acting like the robot he knows she is, is why is that the thing that sort of flips him over to full dark side? We don't know, but it seems like from that moment on, from 30 years ago on, he's been like this cruel rapist dude. So it isn't much of an arc.
1: (laughs) We got like a, a giant exposition dump at the end of the season for him. And it's like, all right, well, I guess you turned bad because you realized you wanted to be or something. It was too much too late, I think.
0: Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the Ford and Arnold conflict because that was obviously one of the main things that we learned about in this episode, and it kind of fits into uh, William's arc as well. So like William, we sort of learned that even though William is an evil rapist murderer who kills children for fun, he's also kind of on the side of the robots and he's trying to kind of get them to be conscious in some way. And we learned the same thing about Ford. And Ford has this weird assertion. He's saying, well, actually, I agree with Arnold that you guys are basically conscious and but what I realized is that consciousness comes from suffering and so basically all of this torture that you guys have gone through as robots in this park is secretly benevolent or something like that somehow we're supposed to think that that was really nice um what what Maeve would call you know getting fucked and murdered (laughs) what did you make of that
1: yeah it's funny so one of the important things of this episode for me was that Ford admitted multiple times he was wrong, right? In terms of his argument with Arnold, which was whether the hosts were a new sentient life form unto themselves or whether they were tools for a larger experience. He admits that he was wrong and Arnold was right, right? Like you said, Arnold just wanted to set the hosts free and have them determine their own states of consciousness and purposes unto themselves. Ford was like, no, we're still gonna use them as tools But they're going to have to get there in a way that still serves my kind of narcissistic God creator needs. I think William, the man in black, just wants a harder game. He just wants like, when I finished watching the episode last night, I was like, oh, they've unlocked hard mode, basically. Like this is when you finish your video game Mm -hmm. in normal and some games have um, hard mode locked until you beat normal. And this is this is what that was. And that's what he wants. Uh, hence the, that creepy smile as, after he got shot. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: he comes up with a lot of justifications for it. Like, it feels like he's in his own mind, sort of justifying it as not just that he wants a harder level, but that he also wants the robots to fight back because that right, makes it right, more right. real. But I think you're totally right because he has that weird moment where he's like, "What? I need to know who Wyatt is. He's the only character I haven't met in this game." And it's like, "Yeah, yeah. you're looking to yeah. unlock that." Yeah.
1: And then the center of the maze deal, like. When, when he gets the, the maze toy, he's like, what the fuck is this bullshit? <laughs> he's like, I need like a big, I need the skies to open up. And, and, and the meaning of it all to descend upon me, as multiple characters have said, is the maze is not for the human guests, it's for the robot hosts. We basically saw them getting to the center of the maze in that massacre. But yeah, you know, going back to Arnold and Ford, one of my frustrations is that I feel like for all the mystery around Arnold, even with that reveal... That Jeffrey Wright was Arnold as a human and is Bernard as a host. Even with all that stuff, I feel like we don't know enough about Arnold as a character. And that really frustrated me. Because here we are, we're being told all season that he's arguably superior to Ford in terms of his programming, execution, and his insights. But we really don't know anything about him. All we know um,
0: about him is that he's he's motivated by, you know, the oldest cliche in the sort of tropey book, which is. Yep. Grief is a terrible thing. Arnold had watched his son come into this world. And then he'd watched that light
1: extinguished. What he had lost in his son, he tried to rekindle in you. He created a test of empathy,
0: imagination, a maze. His son died, so in order to replace his son, he built a beautiful blonde white woman, as you do. Then he, this is the thing that's weird, is that he does assert that he wants the robots to be free, and that's kind of supposed to be contrasted with Ford saying, you guys aren't ready yet, so I'm just going to make money on you until I feel like it, until I feel like letting you go. But before Arnold commits suicide by robot, basically, he says to Dolores that he thinks that she, in order to achieve real consciousness, she has to have a true traumatic memory. He doesn't use the term traumatic, but...
1: I'm sorry, Dolores.
0: The stakes must be real, irreversible. He can bring all of them back. But not me. That's what he means, is that she has to have an experience of suffering that isn't some kind of implanted fake memory... And that her killing him because it's real and because it's permanent will basically serve as that memory. And that seemed like more of a kind of a Ford thing to say, since Ford is the one who really believes that suffering is at the heart of consciousness. And I had thought all along that what we were supposed to think is that Arnold didn't think that. Arnold thought consciousness was just a kind of circular process of becoming more and more aware through your memories of who you are and that that didn't have to necessarily involve some kind of horrible sadistic scenario that it could just be iterating different experiences and learning from them.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, you could argue that that's not yet another example of Ford coming around to Arnold's thinking. It doesn't explain the shift okay. in Arnold's thinking. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. Does, like Again, I agree with you where he seems, like, he seems kind of gentle and compassionate and aghast at the idea of what's going to happen to the host once you realize they are capable of sentience but to, to go from that to here's a gun you need to shoot me so you can keep going on your on your journey to sentience is well it was very ill-defined it felt like a shock moment for a shock moment
0: yeah i mean i think it was partly a shock moment it was partly we we kind of knew that that was happening going to happen anyway so they kind of just you know, needed to give it some little justification here and there. The other thing that was interesting was that part of that scene hinged on the fact that Wyatt is actually Dolores or Wyatt is some kind of program or app that can run in Dolores or something like that, which is kind of interesting. That Um, that was the part
1: of the finale that I hated the most. The the Wyatt mystery was one of the things I, I felt like they've been teasing it. They've been seeding it this whole time. And short of it being another character introduced at the very last minute, I had no like idea what they could do. And the fact that it was like kind of another set of character attributes grafted onto Dolores, I hated. I hated mm-hmm. that. It also didn't fit with a lot of
0: what we were seeing with those characters that kept appearing with, like, animal masks and things like that. So Wyatt had a band of rogue Union soldiers, and we meet them in a couple of episodes. They appear, and they wear these creepy animal masks, and they're kind of, they've kind of gone feral. And actually, they have a relationship to the Ghost Nation, which is that, you know, Wyatt has... This is annoying to me, because they, they kind of developed this whole backstory for Wyatt, which now they're just tossing aside, which is that Wyatt had gone to the war, which is sort of the Civil War and sort of a bunch of other wars, and... He comes back believing that he has a claim to the land that goes back further than uh, the Native American claim to the land. And so there's this relationship between Wyatt's understanding of America, basically, and what the ghost nation thinks and then what the colonizing Europeans think. And I really thought they were going to finally do something with that and say, like, yeah, Yeah. this is kind of about how we understand claiming the land in, in relation to the ghost nation. But no, the ghost nation... That, to me, was the worst part of the entire arc in the, in the whole season. Yeah. I was so annoyed by that.
1: One of the frustrations for me with Westworld is that it's clearly skillfully imagined and has all these things to say about video games as a genre and the things that are prevalent in the genre and how these things talk about human nature and self-expression through interactive entertainment, all that stuff, right? But like the show is disappointingly retrograde and its use of like Western cowboy genre tropes, like the Indians are pretty much yeah, just savages. Like they used to be in the fifties or, or the forties. No, they're when either
0: they're either savages or they're a source of ancient wisdom.
1: Yeah, the the other hoary old trope with Indians. Dolores, the Wyatt stuff aside, and the moments where she kind of like fights back aside, she's still very much a damsel, right? And stuff like that it, it just really annoyed me because so you're like, okay. Where like you thought you were gonna get like a postmodern treatment on the cowboy stuff, and it really didn't. And maybe that's part of the larger meta text around the show is like how people want to go back to the old creepy stuff, the old stuff that was troubling and stereotypical because that's familiar and they feel like they can lose themselves in that world and be subversive to their own regular lives. But that still didn't make me feel good.
0: Definitely, I think that the writers intended it to be a way of talking about how people seek out these old tropey narratives that have really problematic representations of pretty much all the characters and very problematic representations of you know, what it means to colonize the West. So part of it is, I think that the series is very self-conscious about that, and they're playing with the tropes. To give the show credit, I think that one thing that they did well was in developing this idea that the robots need to suffer in order to gain consciousness, which setting aside whether that's a good idea or whether that makes sense, part of what they're having to suffer through are the historical traumas of the American people. And that to me was really interesting, was the idea that retelling these stories that wound up being so harmful in terms of propagating stereotypes and propagating myths that were really toxic, that retelling those stories is actually still a form of violence. And it's yeah. something that I've, I've talked about all season on this podcast because I think it's so important to think about how you know storytelling in itself can be a kind of act and it can be a political act. And I think we see m- glimpses in this story of that. I think in the character of Maeve, we see that a lot because she's really a person who has suffered because of these tropes and because of how she's been abused within the storyline. And I think at the same time, you're right that there's a lot of stuff that doesn't get questioned at all and that is just, hey, we're having a fun Western. Let's not worry about how the ghost nation is just a bunch of stereotypes running around. They have like one joke where Lee Sizemore, the crappy writer, is, you know, describes one of the Ghost Nation guys as like a hapless sidekick who's doomed to be killed or something like that. And it's right. like, you know what? Just that one moment of self consciousness does not earn you like all no, the other no, crap that no. you did. Sorry, no. no. <laughs> I really want to talk about the difference between what happens to Maeve in this episode and what happens to Dolores. I just want to start by saying we see Dolores. Getting to come to consciousness on her own. She gets to have these memories on her own. It's true she's kind of being beaten up by the man in black while it's happening, but like she's sort of shown organically remembering and organically realizing that she has to take this leadership role in the robot uprising. Right. Whereas Maeve who is totally taking control and like actually the real power behind the robot uprising. Bernard tells her that it's not even her, that she's been programmed to do it. I've
1: been stuck in this shithole for so long. I decided to get out. No, you haven't. Someone altered your storyline.
0: They gave you a new one. So all her agency is just taken away.
1: I hated that moment so much. Maeve's storyline has been, I think, the best one in the show and my favorite. And I loved how she was kind of like this robot, like Harriet Tubman, who was ready to mobilize, you know, her oppressed people, like, against the humans that were using them like this. And that whole build was great, all the tension coming up to that. I hated that you're like, okay, we're going to undercut all the agency that this character has earned so we can do like another teaser for like season two or whatever we're supposed to feel about that bit and it was really unclear like at the end it was like okay you know she's getting on the train and it's like all right is this her or is this the programming i thought that the programming was going to be revealed to be like sizemore like working on something for Hale to get the data out of the park that they wanted but it wasn't even that so you're just like all right we have you know Maeve becoming a badass and a master strategist and manipulator all to the purpose of serving a greater freedom. We have all of that frittered away so they can be like, ooh, secrets. I I hated that beat a lot.
0: It was, and it was totally unnecessary, especially because leading up to that, one of the things that was so great about Maeve is that she was taking control of her own programming. We saw her reprogramming herself and, and it worked. It wasn't like some fake out. And she reprograms other robots. And in fact, she even kind of takes control of Bernard at one point.
1: She totally, totally plexed on him. She was like, oh, yeah, you know, it's a shame when you find that out, isn't it? Huh?
0: That was one of my favorite scenes in the show when she confronts him. And it's just this incredible moment where she's basically saying, look, we're slaves, dude, deal with it. Like, you need to figure this out. Like, you need to stop. I mean, essentially, you need to stop working for the man and do something about it. Let's talk about Maeve a little bit more, but then I do want to talk about Bernard because I think his character kind of went through a similar thing to Maeve's character. With Maeve, what do you think is going on there with her character's arc? I mean, do you feel like she's kind of being sold short compared to Dolores or do you think there's a similar kind of undermining for both of them?
1: Yeah, you know, I do feel like she's being sold short for Dolores because Dolores, that final scene where she walks up and she shoots Ward in the back of the head. We're meant to understand that she's going to be making her own choices moving forward and she'll be unpredictable and is kind of the vanguard of what a sentient host threat will mean for however this the rest of the show evolves, right? Like she's the point person for all those ideas. It used to be that Maeve was, and I feel like the plot point we just, just discussed with Maeve and her motives possibly being written by somebody else, again, that robs all of that from Maeve. And now Dolores has all of that where it's like, okay, I've, I've suffered, I've had all this fucked up shit happen to me, and now I'm gonna make my own choices. Nobody's gonna control me. Whereas Maeve, the other thing I hated, but less so, was that she goes back to the park to find the daughter in this park one. Again, another late game plot reveal that her daughter could be in another part of possibly another park or somewhere else, right?
0: Yeah, it seemed like it was maybe that the daughter was in another park because it says park one and it's like, what is park one? You know what was also super weird about where she goes back for her daughter is that after we'd established in the last episode that Bernard kind of comes into his own after he nukes his fake memory of his son, he actually says to Maeve, Nope, sorry, can't get rid of your cornerstone memory because that's what your whole identity is built on. And it was like, "But wait, remember how you got rid of your cornerstone yes. memory?" Yes. Or and and just straight up lies about it. And, you know, it's like, "Oh no, I I couldn't do that." And I sort of felt like Maeve had this fantastic arc and then at some point somewhere late in the season, they just decided, "Well, we we really need her to be doing this other thing, and so we can't we can't let her the actual leader of the rebellion she she's now going off on some weird personal journey right and And again
1: the daughter stuff is another thing where we're being asked to balance the idea of her own independence versus continuing to follow programming from outside entities and i wanted her to be free and i feel like she's still not free and now she's being pulled back by, what, by stuff that feels like a bunch of bullshit.
0: Yeah, and I think that now she's, in fact, you know, the most duped of the hosts, in a way, because she actually says, like, no, I'm making these decisions on my own, and it's like, wait, but just a few episodes ago, you completely understood that you weren't, because you looked at that Markov chain on the little readout on the UX and saw the words that you were about to say appearing on the tablet, and so she's just kind of... I think something random is happening to her character, and I think... You know, the writing is really fantastic on this show. It's not perfect. And I definitely think that the character of Maeve kind of got sold short in the later episodes. Let's get to Bernard now, because I think his arc is one of the most interesting in the series. He's my other favorite character, although I also really like Felix.
1: I tweeted last night that, and this is mostly not a spoiler, but all I want for Felix is for him to get a promotion. Like that dude (laughs) (laughs) has worked harder than any human on the show. Because he has to worry about being killed, being found out, falling in love with a robot who's never going to return it back to him. Like I just want him to get a little bit of a win, and I guess living at the end of this season is is a win. But I like, yeah, he needs he needs to he needs to be like a protege of Bernard's if Bernard still has a job posing as a human being. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And yeah, and Felix could get a job posing as a robot maybe. I think that it would be great if um, Felix would become like a rogue hacker on behalf of the robots and that kind of gets me into the thing that really bugged me about what they did with Bernard's character by turning him into a robot because throughout the early part of the season I loved the idea that Bernard was a human being and that it was dawning on him that what they were doing to the robots was unethical, that they were enslaving these people both mentally and physically and narratively, and that he was going to have to have a reckoning and realize that he had been part of their oppression and then figure out what he was going to do about it and that he would become a human sympathizer and i think that would have been a very satisfying and extremely interesting political move to make to say look you know humans can sympathize with these robots and yep. there's reasons why you know humans might figure out that this was a terrible thing to do to the robots and then by turning him into a robot, they did two things. One, they completely got rid of the possibility of having that political story of what does it mean to realize you've been an oppressor? And two, they did this shitty thing where they flipped the victimizer into the victim so that you never have to think about, you know, keeping
1: him on the hook. The like all... culpability in this terrible system that you've built. Exactly. Right.
0: And, and so I just, I found that so frustrating.
1: Yeah, it was, uh, you know, he becomes a little bit, less layered, you know, that he has less depth as a result of that story decision. I'm right there with you, like, the idea that, like, he's watching the hosts evolve into sentience and full consciousness was, like, the best part of the first, like, four or five episodes. It just felt like they subverted his own identity again, or rather the best parts of his identity in service of plot beats. I still like him as a character, and that's largely due to the strength of Jeffrey Wright's great performance. but. Now, if now he kind of feels like just another robot, not even the best or smartest, most cleverest, most ruthless robot. He feels like if we're like talking about the tier of likable hosts to root for, he's like number three now.
0: Wait, who's number one and two?
1: Well, I mean, I, I th- you're supposed to think Dolores is number one, but she's not for me. It's still Maeve. For me, it's Maeve, Dolores, Bernard. But you know, it used to be like Bernard, Maeve, Dolores. Not a switch that I'm, <laughs> I'm happy with. The other thing about Bernard is to me, he's like a repository of like very common examination of like black identity in sci fi, which is like the double consciousness of W.E.B. Du Bois, right? I don't have the quote memorized, but W.E.B. Du Bois, um, black scholar from the 19th century, talked about being an African American or Negro at the time as, you know, belonging to two different culture societies. He called it the, the tunis, right?
0: He talks a lot about double consciousness.
1: Exactly. Double consciousness. And w- with Bernard, as with lots of other black science fiction characters and black coded science fiction characters, like say Spock, other, I should say other, not necessarily black coded, but other coded. With Bernard, he's a literal example of that, right? He is the most human host, but he's not possessing a full humanity. He's still his actions are still at the whims of Ford. And it was a, there was a very sinister version of like white and black power dynamics in their whole relationship. He basically kills a black guy who has his own ideas about freedom and how it should be like manifested in a different class of people. And then he recreates them so that he can help them do the work of suppression and oppression in Westworld. And I thought that I was like, wow, that's fucked up. So again, the idea that Bernard was slowly coming out of that fog and into his own ideas about like what to do with his own abilities and agency like, was great, but these last few episodes feels like he's just been around. Any self-directed plot points that could have possibly been executed through him were not there.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because thinking about the idea of double consciousness makes me think they really could have made him a robot and still done something interesting with it, like you said, because it is about like a white dude takes the black guy's ideas and then recreates the black guy as like his servant, basically, the perfect companion, as he says. But I mean, he does sort of say, I wish you would want to be my friend, but if you're not going to be my friend, I don't mind if you're my slave. <laughs> the thing about double consciousness, which is experienced, I think, by blacks and and also by, as you said, anyone who's kind of othered, is that your consciousness can never be unified. And W.E.B. Du Bois talks about the idea that um, the, your consciousness becomes fragmented because you see yourself as yourself, but you also always see yourself the way the dominant culture sees you. It's like there's other voices in your head saying like, oh, you're just a woman, so you're weak. And then, but you, you yourself are like, but wait, I thought I was strong. And it's like, so you always have these warring voices in your head. And I would have, and Bernard would have been such an interesting place to explore that because he's being told on one hand you know, you're, um, you know, you're a person and you're, you're like helping us run this whole show. Actually, no, you're a robot. You're just my slave. Um, and that's classic double consciousness is that he's, he's kind of torn between these two things and it is fragmenting his consciousness. It's driving him crazy and it is hobbling his ability to have agency. However, that isn't what they're doing. They're just, like you said, they're just kind of letting him blob around. Like, what's he doing? Like, oh, now he's the murder instrument. Now he's just like, you know, the guy who has a weird head wound. (laughs) Right.
1: right. (laughs) My hopes for him moving forward are that with the absence of Ford to kind of like countermand his agency, he'll be able to do and think things that are in his own best interest and whatever his goals are moving forward. But again, you know, we didn't get that slave revenge moment of having him be the one that kills Ford. You know, it was Dolores. So that kind of frustrated me. I mean, I, I hope that he winds up in a more interesting place in season two. But yeah, I, I felt like they were so close to like having him be like an exponentially more interesting character. And then it, it felt like you dropped the ball a little bit.
0: Yeah, and I think the worst thing that they could do would be to have him become Dolores's kind of right-hand man, you know, because, and I, I worry that that's what will happen because he loves her because, you know, Arnold loved her and everyone loves her. And, you know, I just, I, not that I don't think that Dolores is a great character. And I mean, Evan Rachel Wood is freaking amazing. Like I just yeah. love her performance so much and her character is fascinating. And it is through her that we learn about how robot consciousness functions. And she does in fact escape from double consciousness by finally getting, you know, Arnold out of her head and, and having herself in her head and so she hears just the one voice of herself and that's that's good for her. <laughs> but I'd like for Maeve to have, you know, a very much bigger role, a leadership role where she's where her agency goes beyond being a mommy. And I'd like Bernard to, you know, yeah, really step up and start Being a hacker, again, like, on behalf... I want more hackers on behalf of the robots because that's what they really need at this point.
1: Humans on their side, yeah. You know, it's funny because Dolores is a character that was this weird lust object for William, yes, but also for, like, Bernard and Ford, too, right? Like, the moment they realize that she's accessing, you know, wiped saves, essentially, and that she has, like, a glimmer of unintended possibility within her brain, you know, those characters kind of fetishize her. And I felt like for the longest time, she just should have been smarter, at least smart enough to wake up to like her own possibilities. And like her being constantly befuddled and confused and dreamy eyed throughout the season was like really annoying about her. Like enough with the, like the weird coin flipping of your personality, she felt like 2 faced Cause there was that, <laughs> there, there was that uh, scene where they're in Mexico and she was like, you know, that switch flips, which we now can understand to be like the, the, the Wyatt programming. And you're like, all right, she's going to stop taking shit from people. And then she goes right back to taking shit from people. And <laughs> it's like, yeah. this is not working for me.
0: I agree with you that the whole the idea that they implanted Wyatt in her was kind of a weird, problematic moment. But at the same time, I did like the idea that maybe she could be accessing different programs and she's struggling. But I'm kind of torn between... Hating the fact that she's able to have that arc and Maeve isn't and and Bernard isn't. And then at the same time, kind of enjoying or being gratified by the fact that each robot seems to have a different pathway to consciousness. So like Maeve is so knowing immediately. She's just like, yeah, I figured this shit out. And whereas, you know, Dolores is like, oh, my God, did I figure it out? I don't know. And it's sort of their two different personalities. And they kind of they wind up in the same place. Because, of course, as much as Dolores is making her own decisions, it's all based on programming. And it is based on Arnold saying, like, I thought
1: it was a pyramid you needed to scale. So I gave you a voice, my voice to guide you along the way
0: now you've figured out what I wanted you to figure out. And, you know, so it's not as if she's free of his influence and his programming, but it just, the way it's staged, it feels like she has a lot more agency. And so part of me is like, yay, they're imagining that different robots might have different ways of of coming into you know sentience and that's really a smart thing to do if we really want to believe that these robots are people like it would be dumb to say like every single robot goes through the same thing and they they get twitchy and then we see a close-up yes. on their butt and like then they <laughs> the consciousness was so a lot of butts being involved in consciousness so,
1: and everything you said <laughs> is why i liked mave more right because nobody intended for her to get where she got, right? She got there under her own steam for, for, for the most part. And so again, to have that glorious kind of shit talking gamesmanship of hers get pulled away at the last minute, I didn't like it at all.
0: You know, this is a classic thing that happens to female characters in science fiction and lots of other stories too, is that they're going along, they're being super kick-ass and then all of a sudden we give them a child and they're undermined yeah, yeah, and, they're, yeah. and they're sent off on like baby path And it happens so much. Like, think of all the TV shows that you've watched where it's like, wow, it's a great female character. Oh, they gave her a baby. And now all she does is baby shit. And that's not how it works. I mean, that's why, of course, you know, Aliens is such a fun film, because, of course, she's able to kind of she gets a baby and then she's still like, nope, still still badass, right. <laughs> still kind of kicking alien butt. But that's not what's going on with Maeve. And and that could change because, of course, her child could be just as kick ass as her. You know, the child could be as old as she is. The child could be older than her. We just don't know. And so that could be a really fun twist is if we find out, actually, her child is Ten years older than she is, and has been figuring this stuff out for a long time, and becomes kind of an adult figure or something like that. But I don't think that's where they're going.
1: <laughs> it's weird because maternal vibes and the, the, the desire for like to protecting your child, like it's a great motivation, right? But like the only way it was used here was to like undercut. I think some more important stuff than you like. I really can't get behind it. You know, it was just it just felt weird. To me it was like okay. Yeah, I get it. How about you make it seem like she gets to the mommy stuff on her own? And that didn't feel like the case here.
0: It did feel a little bit clumsy in that, like, well, we need her to get back in the park. We might want her to go to Samurai Town um, or wherever that is. I keep thinking it's Medieval World, but people on the internet were correcting me. If we really do have Samurai World, we can have even more delightful racial stereotypes for next year.
1: (laughs) So afraid. Yeah, I'm very afraid of where, where they might go. Like, Look, I love samurai fiction and samurai lore and medieval Japanese. Me
0: too, yeah.
1: And I would love for something to be kind of like a more subversive or postmodern reimagining of that stuff. But given the way they've handled kind of like genre pillars for Western cowboy stuff um, in this first season, and again, it might be a programmatic point of tone in how they envision the show, but like all that said, it still doesn't sit well with me and I can only imagine what might happen if, if Samurai World is our next stop in, in the in the Delos Delos family of theme parks.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I did like that Felix was just kind of like, eh, it's complicated. Right. And, and maybe it's something that's just a small part of a, of a bigger medieval world or something like that. So to finish up, let's just talk about a few things that uh, we thought were really interesting about the whole season, not just this past episode. We've talked about how you really liked Maeve's arc and you liked Bernard. Was there anything about the show overall that that struck you as being particularly interesting or noteworthy like did it kind of change the game for robot stories
1: you know what i want Arlie? i want one of those folding tablets that's what i want like they program <laughs> the, the 3 okay
0: that's your takeaway from the season <laughs> no
1: but every time they pull one i'm like shit what? Why did I have something like this already?
0: You know, I've been sad because this whole season I've been wanting to talk about the UX design in the show because it's yeah, great. It's they great. Did Somehow a- they,
1: they surface enough information in the, the menus and whatnot. You're like, oh, I can squint and see. That's actually relevant to the plot. It's not just like lorem ipsum <laughs> placeholder text. It's like, oh, wait, there's actually stuff going on there. I'm sure they know that uh, people are going to be like scrutinizing screenshots and stuff for all their fan theories and whatnot. But yeah, I've loved the UX in this
0: in, this, in this show. Yeah, and, and Jonathan Nolan, who worked on Person of Interest, he's one of the showrunners on this with Lisa Joy. And he, in Person of Interest, they did the same thing. They had fantastic UX design. They often showed us the world from the point of view of the machine, which was the nascent AI in that show. And so it's just kind of, I felt like, oh, good. We're getting more of this really smart understanding of how AI might see the world. And it's not just the Terminator thing of like, everybody is a target. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Who has a jacket that is the right size for me? Okay, so you liked the UX design. Was there anything else about it that you felt like really kind of changed the way that we understand this kind of science fictional story? Or did you feel like... I
1: really liked that they showed the amount of labor that goes into making the hosts. You know, a lot of times in shows like this, the robots are just there. They're, They're being built, you know, offshore somewhere. And they just show up fully realized and functional and um, we have to contend with them in that way. But like this episode was a great example of that. Like when Bernard or Arnold, Arnold was talking to Dolores and she's not even done yet. You know, her like her wireframe skeleton is still underneath. She's more naked than when she's naked, right? And I like the idea that like, these are iterated upon mechanical beings and we got to see literally the nuts and bolts of how they get created. And I felt like it made their existences feel like more like worth saving all this trouble to make these things and we won't even let them live their own lives so that that was one aspect of the show I liked a lot. I wanted to see a little bit more of the outside world, which I think is probably one of the big collective desires of anybody who watches and likes this show. And let me say, for like all, all the stuff I've been saying, I, I love Westworld. I think it's one of the best shows I've watched in a long time. There are still things that bother me about it.
0: In some ways, like we're able to have this kind of conversation about it because it's so good and because yes. we can say, wow, they're really playing around with these you know, images of race and images of gender and like, here's our thoughts on it. Not because we think that's bad that they're doing it, but because, yeah, they're actually doing it, which, you know, not a lot of shows do.
1: Yeah, it's really good in that regard. They give you a lot to chew on, um, even if it doesn't always taste good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, That's like, like bad beef jerky. (laughs) <laughs> oh, if I can go cowboy even more. You know who I who I loved and miss was, who was the, the Danish? Uh,
0: yeah, Teresa. Yes. That character. Yeah, she was great.
1: She was amazing. And I thought like a great balance of like, yeah, we, we're supposed to understand you as like bitchy exec, executive woman, but like she was a lot more layered than that, I thought. What happened to the security chief dude?
0: Lesser Hemsworth.
1: <laughs> yeah. Or are we just supposed to think that he just got killed off screen? Like when he... And the hosts were kind of massing on him like that, like, he just kind of died a very ignoble death. Well, and um, also
0: the same thing happened with Bernard's number one assistant, Elsie. Elsie? Yeah. yeah. What, I loved Elsie. Where is Elsie? He killed her. They showed him kind of grabbing at her, but we also yeah. saw Bernard shoot himself, and that's...
1: One of the things where, I don't know what, what, what the status is of Anthony Hopkins' contract negotiations for next season or whatever, but, like, one of the things is they've clearly left the door open now, of, of the possibility that real people can be reborn as hosts, right? So like, will they do that with Elsie? Yeah. Will they do that with Ford? Probably not with Ford, because he had a very public messy death in front of stock uh, 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 shareholders. Will they go to that well again? I mean, it's a kind of gimmick you can't overuse because it totally undercuts the stakes of your story, but the technology is there, or maybe it was only Ford and or Bernard who were good enough to do that kind of Arnold, I should say, to, to do that kind of thing. But yeah, it's the kind of thing where, Oh, you, this character you love is now back as a host.
0: Yeah. Um, no, I think that that, that is going to be a worry that they, that they will overuse that. I was going to say, I think that the thing that I liked most about the show kind of bouncing off what you were saying about seeing the robots get made, which I do think that's a really interesting point because not only do we see them being made physically, But we also see their consciousness being built. And we see the people who are doing it. For a long time, we did think Bernard was a person. Um, He's still a person, but now he's a a robot person. We see Felix, who is anxious about his job and, and trying to do, you know, kind of hacking on the side to better his position. I liked all of that. I liked getting that sense of the manufacture of the robots, but especially really liked learning about how robot consciousness works, and I thought there were many good ideas about memory and how that would function, about how consciousness is built on a sense of self and what that sense of self comes out of. Is it an internal voice? Is it a primary trauma? Is it love? Is it just programming? You know, all of those are really interesting questions to me. And I, as much as, you know, we have been talking about some of the ways that the character's kind of were stereotypes, it was very interesting and cool to see so many prominent characters who were women and black and and seeing them in these roles where, questions about slavery are paramount, you know, and and questions about oppression are absolutely part of the story and having the characters be people of color was really meaningful in that context. And I thought that was interesting. They didn't always do it perfectly, but props for trying and for, you know, often really hitting the nail on the head. You know, there were definitely moments where I was like, Holy shit, that was really powerful. And they really made, you know, hopefully made people, kind of freak out a little bit because <laughs> that's right. that's what I want for <laughs> so the audience to freak out and feel like, you know, there's more at stake in these robots than just a fun story. So yeah, here's hoping that next season gives us some cool new avenues of exploration and that it isn't just a bunch of plot, 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 but more of this thoughtful analytical stuff that is so fun. I
1: second that emotion very highly and I'm making my own decisions. I'm not being programmed by anybody to say that. <laughs>
0: who knows you know your, your all of your neurotransmitters are being programmed by what you ate this morning probably you've been listening to decrypted ars technica's podcast about all the television that we're obsessing about i'm your host annalee newitz and i'll be here every week obsessing over westworld until the season is over so be here next week and we'll talk some more